there's no there's no right or wrong just do it really constant mm-hmm. you know and that that was like what helped me a lot at first you know be don't be afraid to just get in front of the camera every day and do something and get it on youtube get it on instagram get it on facebook every day so the big question is how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement If you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of The Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. This is your host, Aaron LeBauer, and today my special guest is CJ DePalma, or The Movement Doctor. CJ is a physical therapist. He does a lot of CrossFit and works out but he also has a cash practice and I've been watching him build his practice for the last few years. And CJ was also a student who started a business. And so a lot of people always say students can't start businesses. Students need five years. So I want to bring CJ on as one of many people who I know and have worked with who not only uh, started a business out of school, but are crushing it because I'm not that special just because I did it. Doesn't mean everyone else can't do it. You can too. So, Thank you, CJ, for being here. I really appreciate you coming on the show. So tell me, I want to go back and just like, why did you even start to be a physical therapist? Like, what is that part of your story? So exercise has been like a staple in my life for a real long time. Bodybuilding and like high levels of fitness and sports performance and things like that. And so I was a strength coach. I was an intern volunteer when I was graduating college and uh, did a rotation and the goal was to like, you know, in the strength world, you get so you an intern, then you become a GA, the GA becomes an assistant at a small school, then you usually get an assistant at a bigger school, then head coach, small school, big school, and then there's a flow, right? And then potentially pro-life. Well, I was listening to the, we were at a big conference, I was listening to the GAs and they got their mm-hmm. first assistant job and they were talking their pay and it was like 26 and I thought to myself, I'm wearing like in the van and I was like dollars an hour, and, and, you know, like because I was a personal trainer at the time as well. And I made, you know, I didn't make great money, but I made more than 26 grand a year mm-hmm. doing personal training. And I was like, and you know, a strength coach at a, a football school can be a 4,000 hour work year. Easy. Huh. Right. So, I mean, you're talking 80 hours a week all the time, plus travel, et cetera. So I was like, well, I don't know if that's really what I want to do. Cause I'm kind of a family guy. And, um, you know, I, I do live for work and that, you know, as you can see, this is part of my office, but so I decided, I was like, okay, well, how can I still be in the performance world? And, you know, I was like, well, my wife introduced me to some people and uh, they, you know, they had the same dreams in college and they went to PT and they were, they didn't go that route, but they kind of talked me to going to PT school and the avenues that would open up were kind of the, the same. So I decided to, and that was kind of how I started deciding to go to PT school. Um, and then, uh, you know, took a ton of classes that summer I graduated and I hadn't prepared to go to school yet. And I took a ton of classes like 21 hours in summer, which was insane and, and, uh, and made it on time and, and got accepted to a couple of schools. Awesome. Awesome. And was this like right after undergrad or you spent a few years in between? It sounds like, no, that's this. No, this was like, I was an intern in 12. I graduated in 12. I was interning the okay. summer before, um, or that summer and, uh, or no, excuse me, summer of 11. And by like the end of the fall was when I decided so classes for spring of 12 were already set. I couldn't take any more. Mm-hmm. So to apply within the, you know, 
applications open July 1st. Well, I had to have X amount of classes done by the summer and I needed like eight classes to meet requirements because <laughs> my school, it was an exercise degree, but we just didn't have any of the classes that I needed for PT. Right. So like of the 14 class requirements, I had to take eight in like a semester and a half. So it was right away. And cause I knew I didn't want to wait a whole nother year. You know, there was nothing really for me to do during that time. So I was like, well, let's just make it happen. And uh, it's a lot of sleepless nights for sure. Yeah. I can't imagine, you know, I, I didn't go to PT school in California cause I was gonna have to take 10 prerequisites. And so I, and it took me a few more years. We moved to North Carolina and all I had to take were two more, <laughs> right. You know, it's like just the school and location, but it mm -hmm. sounded like you wanted to, you knew kind of, so you're from Florida, right? Yep. What, what city in Florida? I was born in Orlando, but I live in everything. I live in Pensacola now. Okay. So did you go to PT school in Florida? Yep. I went to Florida international in Miami. Okay. So you probably knew like, okay, I want to be here in Florida. I've got two or three of the schools that I want to go to, or were you, I mean, it didn't. Yeah, I, kind of, I applied, I applied out of state and I applied in state. Obviously I really wanted to go to, I think UCF and Miami was my number one. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm a cane. I've been a cane for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, but they, they wouldn't, they don't accept state college requirements or oh, okay. prereqs. So who knew? doesn't say it anywhere. Right. So I was pretty upset. <laughs> so FIU accepted me and, um, uh, it was, uh, they, they, we'll say they bidded me pretty well. And, uh, and it, you know, we'll just say I got through school. School was fine. I got a degree and, you right. know, I wouldn't say that it was like the greatest experience, but it was, it was good enough, you know, and, and it opened doors. Right. It got you where you wanted to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So CJ, did you know when you were in PT school that you were going to open a business? I always knew I was eventually, right. Mm -hmm. I had this like envisionment of like a massive, like performance gym with a clinic inside and all these things. And, you know, which is the same. I think that every ortho <laughs> preferred like sports kid going into PT school thinks it's going to happen. And, and I definitely think it can, you know, but that kind of like remolded itself and looked at overheads and the concepts of opening a business and, you know, and like, you know, is are more loans appropriate to come right out of school and take more. Right. So I started treating CrossFit athletes while I was in school mm -hmm. um, as like kind of favors and, and a really, really reduced like gym, trading gym membership, right. At a, right. a really good gym in Miami. And, uh, and then I knew I wanted to work with CrossFitters and I learned from a lot of really good coaches from the performance side and in CrossFit, it's very, you know, I'll say it's very cult minded and you know, like they're very, it's hard to gain trust when you're not in the sphere. Right? right. So I just happened to be a pretty decent CrossFitter. And then I know a lot about coaching CrossFit as well. So I kind of just molded that and that's kind of how the movement doctor started to take face. And yeah. So, so in school, yeah, I, I would say I knew, but as mm -hmm. far as like what it looks like now, it's, I mean, it's a 180 compared to like, even when I graduated school, like my practice style and how I treat patients and what I'm doing compared right. to what I came out of school thinking I was going to do. Yeah. And so you graduated, when did you graduate? About five, six years 16. ago? 16. Four. Yep. 2016. Okay. Yep, yeah. Right on. And you started your business like pretty much right out of, right out of school. Did you start yep. the movement doctor while you're in school? No. Well, I mean, so I like started the, I, I guess like started figuring out what it was going to look like. Mm -hmm. um, again, like I said, I was treating people, you know, it was like favors and, and on the side and things like that. Uh, don't tell the, don't tell the Florida board. Right. I won't. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, it was like a process and I graduated in August took a month of nothing. I got my CSCS and then I started studying for boards and I passed boards. We were in Orlando and I started working for a clinic like part-time as a temp mm -hmm. and then got my license and kept working part-time. And that lasted about 
about two more weeks and I was like, man, nah, this is just not for me. So I had an opportunity. The guys at, at uh, Mako Athletics here in Pensacola are good friends of mine. Yeah. having a lot of extra space and they're like, do you want to open up? And I was like, obviously, this is my wife's home. This is where I went to undergrad. And so it was just, uh, it was, you know, our plan was kind of like shifted up three years. Cause I was like, well, let's start the business in Orlando and see how it goes. And I'll do like a part-time thing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, they, you know, it was August and we were, um, we were having a good old time on Panama city beach for a bachelor party. And they're like, Hey, do you want to open up a business? And I was like, obviously. And they're yeah. like, well, you know, the space is yours whenever you you're ready. So my passports, et cetera. And me and my wife decided that it was time to, yeah. to make the move and uh, moved up here almost overnight, right before Thanksgiving of 16 and just wow. figured out how to run. I didn't, any, I didn't know anything. I think that was when I bought the course from you and G was on my side and I was mm-hmm. you know, chatting with Greg a lot and um, you know, trying to figure out how to start a, how to start a business. Ironically, it's really easy to start a PT clinic. It's not very hard at all. Fun fact, in case anyone was wondering, it's really simple. So yeah, so that's kind of the the start of it, and 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 um, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Was there like, I mean, was there a pivotal moment where it was? Was it just the fact that these guys said, "Hey, here's the opportunity, and it's there for you," or was there something else that happened that like got you ready for that, that pushed you towards that moment where you said, "Hey, I can make this decision with clarity." So a couple things, the kind of like the the outside knowledge I had of CrossFit from a performance standpoint, mm-hmm. I knew it was going to set me apart. And then also I really hated working in the clinics that I was in in Orlando. I mean, yeah. I hated it and uh, the money wasn't good. It's not all about money, you know, and I can attest that I didn't make a, I didn't make much for a long time, right. but it was, I was in a predominantly Spanish speaking clinic. I don't speak Spanish. There was a lot of things going on. I just didn't feel comfortable with the way I was treating, you know, like just or being treated and being required to treat. and I'm just really bad at taking, taking orders from other people. It just was never a, a skill that I developed really well. Yeah. And um, so I just, I talked to my wife and I was like, Hey, you know, we can stay through the winter here and make a little bit of money. And, you know, cause we finally weren't living off loan money for mm-hmm. five minutes. And um, I was like, or I can leave early and we can just go up to Pensacola and I can figure out how to start this thing. And we can just get the ball rolling lived with her mom and uh or my mother-in-law and you know in an apartment for a while and just made it happen yeah was there a time in which your wife ever said this isn't worth it or we should do something different no definitely not i don't think so because she was working during the first bit right and Mm -hmm. and we never i mean there was a lot of like long nights for sure you know trying to figure out what to do, you know, it's funny, most of the time it was spent like figuring out how to open a business, realize that none of none of it was needed, you know, and, and it was a little simple, but no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, there's always like that, that conversation still comes up because it is a running a business is you never turns off. Right. And that's right. the, that's the hardest part. But at the same time, I'm sitting in my house right now and you know, my revenue hasn't dipped too much and I haven't treated a patient in person in two weeks. Right. So, yeah. so it's, it's has its ups and downs for sure. But I would say the same mindset, still stands on her look in the business as far as like, is this worth it or whatever? And it's like, well, sometimes it's more stressful, but most of the time it's really not. And it's a lot, you know, it's a lot more work, but it's a lot more reward at the same right. time. Is she involved uh, at all in your business or just more of like the, Absolutely you chat not. with her every once in a while about it? <laughs> Absolutely not. We tried that. It lasted like 24 hours and I was yeah. like, Hey, can you do the books? 
Nope. Right. Not even close. Hey, can you, you know, do some, I don't know, like clerical work. Nope. Not even slightly. Yeah. Awesome. Did you, um, did you encounter anyone, any resistance to you opening a business from anybody? Every single person. Every, yeah. besides you and Greg, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably every single, and besides the CrossFitters that I, I knew my friends, right. Uh, even most of my friends. Cause my, they're like, nah, it's not going to work. No one's going to pay cash to come see PT and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, local PTs, you know, that I looked up to just like scoffed at me and they're, you know, just like, almost like, you know, this is ridiculous. You'll never, you'll never make anything. And it's like, well, I mean, maybe. <laughs> but I, you know, I just couldn't, I mean, I just, I just don't like the multiple patients at a time. I just don't right. like that model. So even if this was like, not that successful, you know, all I needed was to like, make face value to like live. And I was totally content mm-hmm. with that. And I've been very fortunate to be able to grow that even more. And, and uh, so yeah, everyone, everyone and everyone in the realm of PT, um, for sure doubted the concept of treating just CrossFitters, which I don't do, by the way, it just right. kind of seems like that. And, you know, charging a cash pay, especially in Pensacola, Pensacola's economic face is um, a little weak, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, not a very strong economic push here. Uh, it's getting better, uh, which is great for business. But when I got here, it was, you know, $100 a session is like, not too many people in the town can afford that. So, mm-hmm. so it was definitely a challenge. Yeah. So starting the business wasn't the hard part. What was the hard part? I think with every business is, you know, marketing, but it was funny, you know, at first the marketing was really easy. Yeah. As far, you know, I just, I post, so what I did my whole first year, I posted Instagram every day, you know, one post a day, whatever it was, you know, the whole loud music, like the body part anatomy image, uh-huh. and like the guy moving really fast doing a bench press, you know, and that was like, so it's funny. I started doing all of that with like um, Sam Spinelli and uh, strength therapist, right? And like all those guys that now have like hundreds of thousands of followers. Mm-hmm. My account didn't quite take off as bad or as fast. You know, I think I'm at like 13 or 14,000 or something like that. So they caught the wind and, and I didn't, but, uh, but we all started doing the exact same thing. And, and, yeah. um, and then what I did was, is because I knew that I could market to CrossFitters very well because I knew CrossFit extremely well from a performance side. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know the things that they deal with and the injuries that they occur and accrue. And so I went to every gym every week, right? I was at a gym a week doing free sessions for months and months and months, right? And then I started charging $20 here, $20 there for very like, you know, spot treatments and things like that. And then, and then it just kind of grew, right? And I didn't spend money in marketing until well after the first year, but it's, it's just getting, you know, getting a patient load. And, mm-hmm. um, but Uh, Yeah, so I would say that was probably the hardest at first, just marketing and getting your name out there. Reaching the non-CrossFit crowd has definitely been the hardest, the hardest part. Where we are, there's a lot of Medicare and Tricare. It's a lot of Mm -hmm. big military towns, so everyone really has good insurance here. Not really struggling people that have like seventy-five dollar copays or something like that. So there's not a lot of push for people to seek care, but those that do you know, are the, the clients that we, that we desire, those who want to get better and those who are really self-motivated and things like that. So really working towards finding those people mm-hmm. has probably been the hardest part, but um, something that we've had success at. Yeah. What's the, um, if, if kind of like hitting the ground and boots on the ground strategy of just 
going out and giving, giving, giving a lot uh, at first was what was working. What's, is there anything different that's working now or working better now? Well, I definitely don't, I just don't have time to do that whatsoever now. It's not even, not even close. And so, I mean, I do Google, I, I use Google ads now and, um, mm-hmm. and, and the, my business has shifted so much that um, I don't worry so much about the clinical side of like growing a patient load because I can't manage what more than I have now right. because of what I am currently doing, uh, which is online coaching and programming for another company mm-hmm. um, that I run a division of their company. It's called Wad Prep. Um, some people that are in the CrossFit world might know it. Basically, we create courses, you know, how to do a muscle up, how to do pull-ups, how to do handstand push-ups, et cetera. So I run the one-on-one division. So I have, um, I personally have about 30 athletes and then my coaches under me all have athletes as well. I have two performance coaches and then I have one physical therapist as well under me in the system. So we all program kind of together and work with athletes together. And so that's, that's the majority of my time and the majority of my focus. Wow. That's awesome. So are you guys doing therapy or just like performance uh, training? Yeah, so and it's, it's, it's both. So the performance coaches obviously only do performance. I mean, there's, de- they definitely, their athletes go through injuries, which just like every CrossFitter does. Mm-hmm. And then when they do, I help them kind of make adjustments based on the injuries. And we have lots of zoom calls with athletes, but uh, it started with rehab and, and then it kind of progressed. So I was like up sales and programs and, and, you know, it was more of like just rehab programming athletes struggling with a wrist injury and hasn't been able to clean for six months, you know, how do we get them back? Right. So, okay. Well, let me right. program CrossFit for them to fit a rehab, a rehab need that they, they want. But I can, again, I have a dual, I would say like a dual approach is like, I can be their coach and performance coach as well as I can help them with their rehab. So that's kind of how it started. And it just built out from there. And then, and then over time, uh, the majority of my athletes are performance driven. Okay. Now. Uh, and then, uh, like I said, I have a PT who takes most of the rehab athletes. Currently, I don't take any more athletes. I'm way, way too way too slammed. And so, you know, all, all new athletes that come in, will go to the other coaches. Mm-hmm. That's, that's cool. So how's that set up? So some of these other guys started the wad prep mm-hmm. and would they, are these uh, people that you knew through CrossFit or how'd you get in touch with them? And yeah, so, so wad prep was started at Mako and mm-hmm. uh, the gym that my clinic is at and he had been, his name is Ben Jawalski and he had just left. His wife is a helo pilot for the Navy and he had just left to Japan. And so they had just they had, had a couple courses out already. And I just, you know, they, we were doing a lot of the same online stuff and, and, you know, trying to give a lot of information away. And, and the owners of the gym, like, Hey, you need to meet Ben. So we had like a, a zoom call like this mm-hmm. and I started creating content for them. And, and then it just kind of evolved into what it is. And that's kind of like, uh, you know, we're in like a, a partnership with that side of the company. Yeah. Awesome. And so do you have yeah. some kind of ownership or are you just kind of like working per? Yeah. So it's, it's like a, it's like a revenue split, but it's a yeah. partnership. I mean, yeah. it is, I would say it's, it's very much an ownership for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the yeah. more you put in, the more you get out. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Cause it sounds like from what you were telling me before, you would probably wouldn't put in that much effort to something that if you weren't going to get much out of it or, well, you're I mean, or have control or ownership of some. Yeah. Piece of it, yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, I think I, in the same way as like far as, you know, the people I pay is, you know, I reward a lot of hard work and, and, uh, something like that, you know, programming is very mm-hmm. much, uh, you know, you can reach a point where like you're not profitable because of how much work you have, you know, if right. you're doing like an hourly or something like that. So, so it works out, it works out well. The, the split is very fair. And then I help, you know, do a lot of content, still do a lot of other things within the mm-hmm. program, program for bigger masses and, and help, other athletes, you know, that aren't. So it's a very much 
very much a partnership yeah. within that company. That's awesome. So why is like why is that something for you that you're like the it sounds like you're all in on it's using most of your time versus even just going out and starting your own thing, like something different. Like what are the benefits that you've got from like, why, why did you choose to work with these guys doing wad prep versus being like, Oh, that's a great idea. Let me go do my own thing. Yeah, right? sure. So, so a couple of reasons, right? Uh, one G I talked to Greg about this a lot. Yeah. And um, because I, there was like this big point where I had to make a decision because at first it was just the side hustle. Right. right. And well, the side hustle turned into well more it financially was about the same, but as far as time, it was taking up a lot more and more and more and more and more. And one of the, one of my, my number one goal of, of this, the movement doctor working with wad prep is I want to affect the most people, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at my social media pages, the only thing I post on there is educational stuff. Like I don't, I don't try and promote business through my social media. I probably should, but I don't. Right. And so um, all it's, it's all just educational, right? And it's usually just debunking myths mm-hmm. across the board, you know, and like, you know, have you been told this? Well, here's this and is this, 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 right? It's just educational. And now through this, you know, whole quarantine thing, right? It's just workouts, right? Do this workout. It's really easy, simple, et cetera. So all I want to do is affect the most people. Well, Wad Prep has an 85,000 person email list. Wow. So I can affect the most people, right? And I do course cr- creation there, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I can create courses for myself and you know, again, with, with, uh, uh, smart success and that whole mastermind, that's what they do. That's what they teach. Right. Well, 10% or 30% of 85,000 people reached is a lot more than a hundred percent of maybe a hundred to maybe a thousand people reached. Right. Right. So I knew my opportunity to reach and affect more people was larger with Watt prep and the, Ben, the owner, he's, he doesn't know PT. He knows CrossFit okay, but he understands that, you know, the direction, like he, he doesn't make me do a certain thing. So it's still well within like the, my own desires of mm-hmm. the direction I want to go. Right. And, and he believes in me and my message, right. This whole mentality and, and independent mindset message that, that I push through the movement doctor, we are now able to push that through wad prep and on a much, much, much bigger scale. And I love that. And so that was kind of like why we made this shift um, or I made the shift because I could affect more people. Right. right. Um, that was the goal. And that's the overall goal of all of it. Yeah. That's so awesome. That's awesome. I mean, I think the, the big, uh, question that I've been asking myself and like, and, and trying to help other people see is like, how do we affect even more people? And how do you put your mission inside of someone else's mission or make my mission big enough? So other people feel like they want to fit. And it sounds like, what your mission is, uh, is fits within what wad prep is already doing. And they've given you an avenue basically just to say, Hey, just go for whatever it is. Right. Right. Dude, yep. that's dope. That's so awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, um, tell me, uh, what are, what, what is the next like three to five years like look like, like what is your ultimate like goal? Do you have like a, a number of people you want to affect or like something for yourself? Like what, where, where do you sure. see? Where do you see this all going? Yeah, so um, so we have like we did some um, OKRs. You know what that is? Mm-mm. So it's a book called Turning Pro. It's a book called Create. This is this is uh, this one is for a lot of like time management stuff, right? Yeah. So this one's pretty good. And then our book, okay, we read it as a company. 
basically it's how to create your best three to five year plan and going down from like, here's your five year and working all, it's called the vivid vision. That's it. Sorry. Vivid vision, right? Remarkable tool. And we create this vivid vision and we work our way down, right? So we've, we've kind of done this and, uh, and I have two avenues, right? I have my wad prep Avenue and I have my movement doctor Avenue. Well, my movement doctor, my goal is to grow it. I want to grow it within the, within the city, right? Mm-hmm. So the only way I can do that, the only way is, is I need another therapist, right? And I've had some opportunities come up and timing just wasn't great. And uh, so they kind of fell through. So it's just kind of a waiting game with that. There's no rush mm-hmm. there, but for me to grow the company, in Pensacola, as a brick and mortar, I need another therapist to treat because I can only treat Tuesday. I only treat Tuesdays and Thursdays, and even then, right. most of my treatments are personal training, right? Because right. my marketing, I don't, I don't market that much. I have a minimal, minimal marketing in Google, um, just enough to, to, um, you know, spend the marketing and, and have a little bit of cash flow coming in on mm-hmm. that side. Um, but most of my my weeklies are personal training clients that I've had for a long time that started as injury, and you know, and over time, you know, it was like, hey, you can stay with wellness or whatever. And then they've just kind of stayed over, gosh, almost the entirety of the, the movement doctor now. And so, so the movement doctors three to five is I want to, I want to have a clinic, right? Mm-hmm. I want to have a, my a standalone or kind of a little bit different of a setup than what I have with the gym now, you know, something more my own, a little bit bigger and, and have another therapist in there. And then with Wad Prep, the goal is to grow the one-on-ones, you know, I want to continue right. to grow grow my coaches um, roster. You know, I want all my coaches to have 30 to 50 athletes at that point, you know, with, with what our, our revenue or what our cost is per athlete. It is something that that's a full-time job at that point. And that is a, Mm. that is a, a very good um, salary at that point. So that's my goal for all of my coaches. Um, My goal is to continue to whittle down my athlete roster. We do course creation. I have courses that are in development stage that will launch with wad prep. And, uh, and then I think our, our overall goal kind of with Wad Prep is to do like, you know, uh, basically daily programming that we sell, you right. know, eventually on like a mass scale. Like to um, CrossFit gyms. Yeah. Uh, to, to individual people. athletes, individual to individual player. athletes. Yep. Yeah. So that's, those, those are like the, the avenues. I'm very content with where we are now. If it yeah. stays like this, we're fine. You know, if it, you know, once we get through, through this, it's so weird right now. Right. So everything's <laughs> kind of put on hold. But once we get through, you know, this and, and everyone is good and people start spending money again, yeah. we have a couple of courses that will launch soon. And, and then hopefully people will want to start getting ready for the next CrossFit season, which means that our rosters will grow. Right. Awesome, man. So, so well, just for everyone listening, it's March, was it the 30th today? 31st. 31st, 2020. Just so in case you're listening to this a year or two down the road. So CJ, the two follow-up questions to that is, um, what would you do if you had more time? Like, let's say you got rid of all your, you got a therapist to treat all your patients. You got all your personal training clients or people through wad prep onto your coaches rosters. What would you then do? I'd hang out with my dog. More. <laughs> I don't know. No, um, content creation for sure. Yeah. That's just what I would continue doing. Create more courses. I don't, I don't ever foresee, you know, I would never be the fact of like, I wouldn't treat. I love treating. It would never mm-hmm. be, I wouldn't program because I love programming and I love coaching remotely. I mean, I love both of them equally as much the remote thing has given me a little bit more of this like i would say glamour facade i get to travel with my athletes and Mm -hmm. and the athletes that i have are well off and they you know they fly me out to work with them and things like that so that's really cool right i would never want to give that up that's like like pretty cool you know we've got i've got to travel to south america to 
you know, across the country multiple times. Um, and, uh, I would never want to give that kind of stuff up, you know? Um, so I'd still have some of that, but I think it would go to just more development, right? A lot, a lot more time in front of the camera, creating courses or creating content to create more subscribers. Uh, you know, there's two, you know, there's two, two things that, that create a good online business, right? Is, is, um, content to, to get more reach, right. To get more emails, right. Or content to sell a course. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you create more courses, so you're saying, so say you have a hundred thousand people, you have 10 courses, you know, you sell X amount. Well, if you make 10 more courses to the same hundred thousand people, you're going to make more money, right? Well, you have 10 courses and you gain more email lists. You're going to make more money, right? Cause someone, no, some of those new people are going to buy more courses, right? So, so, but if you grow both of them, right, then we have, you know, this, uh, progressive growth, right. And that's kind of what, we, what we want to do. Yeah. And so, um, so I think that's, that's what it would, would look like. You know, it can always do better with time and things like that. Right. But, but yeah, that's probably what it would look like from a business standpoint. Yeah. Awesome. Well, now, and like kind of the other pieces is now that we have more time because we're in the middle of right. the COVID-19 bizarro reality. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. You, you've got more time. What are you doing right now? Is it just more content? Or is there something specific that you're focusing on in the next few weeks to make sure that your businesses continue to move forward? Yeah. Um, you know, so I just, uh, I got talked to my, uh, my marketing girl and, and we're going to make a little push for, I wrote a blog for some telehealth stuff and we're going to make mm-hmm. a push for that for some Google ads and see if that does anything over a couple of weeks. If it doesn't, then we'll pull it. Um, yeah. you know, kind of want to minimize expenses right now, but if it, if, you know, I have some reach or some outreach for telehealth evals and treatments and things like that, then I'll for sure we'll go that route. But as far as business as usual, I'm, I'm still pretty much the same. None of my remote athletes have quit. Mm-hmm. I haven't lost any business in that direction. Um, we have some online groups uh, that I kind of help manage. So that's upticked. So I'm doing that a little bit more. And then we have, you know, within Wad Prep, we're, we're kind of working as a team to create some form of like revenue growth, right? You know, people stopped pretty much like overnight, stopped spending, stopped spending money. So we want to right. try and, you know, give them everything we can, you know, and help with the situation as well. But the company is still a company that needs, you know, that needs revenue. So we're trying mm-hmm. to come up with something that's very helpful to the community as well as keep people in their job. You yeah. Know? So, so that's kind of where it is now. Uh, and then also I am spending a lot of time with my wife, which is nice. Right. That's cool. Yep. <laughs> awesome. So if someone out there is listening and they want to help more people, like what would something, what would something they could do right now that you've been successful with in reaching more people, whether it's through Instagram, social media, through your courses, like what are some of the, whether it's the, actions they can take or the types of content that yeah as far as like type of content i think it's i don't think there's any right or wrong everyone yeah. you know i have if anyone listening knows who i am knows i'm pretty biased in my treatment styles and what i believe is right or wrong but as far as like how you market to people you know it's there, there's no there's no right or wrong just do it really constant mm-hmm. you know and that, that was like what helped me a lot at first you know be don't be afraid to just get in front of the camera every day and do something and get it on YouTube, get it on Instagram, get it on Facebook every day. Right. And, um, you know, uh, pick an Avenue, find a niche, find something that you really want to specialize in or be focused in at least. And I think that's really important for a lot of people that are going to use social media as your, your, your engine for your, for your business is you need a niche. Right. right. And uh, that's really important. Or you need a personality or you need a, something that's going to sort of set you apart. And now the market's so saturated, but it's still 
patience and in, uh, you know, I don't like to say patience. I like to say endurance. I think endurance is the best way to describe of like how social media can help your page mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, consistency over a long period of time. Everyone has ambition. Everyone has ambition, but most people don't have endurance. Right. And that's yeah. the key. And that's where it is. It's like hammer it down every day in and out, you know, and I'm not saying you have to work 23 hours a day. It's not this Gary V mindset, you know, he does his thing and, but consistency, find your direction and find your voice and um, your message. Right. And, uh, and just hammer it. Yeah. So when you started sharing on Instagram, did you get to, a, was there a point at which you actually, cause I know you were saying you've got your opinions on how treatment should be, right? Was there a point at which even before you weren't really sharing exactly what you believed you were sharing what people, no, you thought people no. would believe you just went 100%. straight for it. Yeah. yeah. And that was, it, it, and it probably was what I would say like stunted potentially the growth, mm-hmm. you know, social media is about being polarizing. Yeah, it is black and whites hard. This is wrong. This is right. But unfortunately with, you know, a lot of what this is right is very gray. It might be right. It might be mm-hmm. right for you or it depends, right? Ugh. Yeah. But it's very true. And a great way to, to, to get people to follow you is to demonize other things. And we try not <laughs> to do that. And it's true, though. It's so true. The right. biggest accounts are like, if you do a, a, you know, a, a barbell high pole, you're going to impinge your shoulder. What the fuck does that even mean? Sorry. What does that even mean? Why, you why can is curse. That, you, you're why is not that the worst mouth on the show. <laughs> um, it's like, what does that even mean? Why do you have to demonize it? Why? Because right. it gets a million views on YouTube. Right. Right. You know, it's like, oh, man, what, what's the shoulder exercise that I'm doing wrong? You're probably not doing it wrong. Maybe you're doing it too often or maybe it's too heavy, you know, or, you know, maybe you just weren't ready to do it yet, but you probably weren't doing it wrong. Right. But that doesn't sell. That's not cool. Right. You know, you know like, it's interesting. Some of the most powerful people are polarizing without putting other people down. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, it's like I, I've got my opinion, but I'm not doing it at the expense of someone else. Yeah. It's a tough thing. That's a, it's tough to be polarizing and polarizingly positive. Right. <laughs> it's tough because you, if you're polar, then you're on the opposite side of something. Right. Right. And sometimes it's appropriate. You know, I'm very, I would say I'm not, I'm very polar in the sense of, you know, certain treatment avenues I don't think should be, but I try not to, you know, be really rude about it. But the answer is so, you know, you're polar to like a, should you or should you not do something? But on the flip side of that, it's like, what should you do? And it's like, ah, probably just a little bit of something and a little bit of another thing. And it's probably going to be okay. Right. No one likes the answer that you're probably just going to get better. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the hardest thing that I've found treating patients is what they really want is a definitive answer to yeah. know that there's a problem yep. when they're really, it's like the best I can ever do is sometimes not name uh, a problem or give them a medical diagnosis, which is what they really want yep. because that's not what, even what's happening. But it's like they want that so bad that they're going to keep going until they find it. Right. You know? Yep. So how do you, how do you deal with that with your patients and, and even with the people that you do the um, online uh, coaching? And- yeah. So the online thing is, I would say it's even a little bit easier because I see them every day and I yeah. talk to them every day and it's really good, you know, but as far as in person, it's, uh, it's very much like a slow drip. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. or sometimes I'm like, you know, they come in and, and they're like, I got flat feet. I sit too much and my shoulders are rounded. And I just Mm -hmm. like, 
I just slam them with information. I'm like, no, <laughs> stop it. And, uh, you know, but other times it's just like this slow drip of basically, you know, well, maybe, right. You know, and, and just talking about, usually I try and, and create an analogy that's very, um, that resonates well with them. I think the biggest goal for a lot of PTs is being able to read people and like what's mm-hmm. going to work and what's not and getting on their level of um, concern. And if they have really, really strong beliefs, you don't want to blast them and, you know, shoot them in the gut, but slowly introducing them into the, you know, the concept of like, Hey, maybe it's not this black and white, you know, maybe your injury 14 years ago isn't still causing your foot pain or your back pain. Right. Right. Um, You know, maybe there's other things. And so we try and educate and I think it just boils down to that. Right. And that's my whole goal is just to educate those and to think a little more critically and a little more logically Mm -hmm. as when we, and, and it's, it's funny that, the people who, who truly hammer this mechanical approach will say that the pain science approach is like minimalistic. And, uh, but if you really look at it, I think it's the exact opposite and it creates so many more avenues of like what could be driving your pain outside of like, you know, a length tension ratio issue. Right. It's like, what? Okay. You know, but again, why does everyone not have pain? That's in these same things, right? You know, when we create a black and white response, needs to be 100%. And there's just very few things that are like that. So when we can open someone's mind to just maybe believe that it's not so set in stone, that's like the first foot in the door. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay, like, hey, not sure what's going on. You know, it could be a bunch of these things, but, but my go-to is let, let's just do something, right? So if it's a high-level CrossFitter who's training all the time, let's just do a little bit less. Like, let me help you with your programming. Let me rewrite your training for a little while. It's a chronic pain patient, super low level. Let's just go walk. I got my pup with me all the time. He's super cool. And I'm like, let's go walk the dog today. They're like, mm-hmm. I, you know, they, they don't, they don't walk more than hundred feet cause it hurts. And I'm like, let's go walk him. He doesn't right. pull. Let's just go walk and we'll have a conversation. And we go walk for an hour and they walk a mile, right? And they haven't walked a mile in years, you know? Yeah. And it's like, so we find that like, let's just do something and see if the body responds okay. And most people really resonate well with that. Cause I try and tell them, I'm like, you know, this might not be the perfect prescription, but we're going to learn really quickly what is, mm-hmm. you know, and then we're going to let your body and let you kind of decide the track of your treatment. Yeah. And, um, and we give the power to the patient, which seems to work pretty well. That's awesome. I want to repeat what you said, um, because I think it's really powerful. This might not be the perfect prescription, but we're going to find out really quickly what is and let your body basically teach us what that is. Right. Right. Which one, it puts the power in their hands. Right. Right. And it acknowledges that you might feel a little worse. You might feel a little better. We won't know until we try it. Right. Which every, which kind of, kind of hits the objection of, but CJ, you weren't a miracle worker today. Physical therapy didn't work after one visit. I got to go do whatever else. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, I just want to let people know, like, that's really powerful. What you said, you might not even realize it because one, like I've been doing this for 20 years and I've heard these things over and over again from people. And it's, that's so hard to meet these expectations they have coming from all the media that they receive and all the other physicians visits and stuff that they're getting, you know, they're at eight days a week when they're outside right. of our clinic. Right. Right. What would you say has been through all these things, through starting your business out of school, through mixing, you know, your cash practice with working with WAD prep through, you know, you got your 
you know, um, family, you got your business, you got where you live. Like what's the, been the most challenging thing about building all of this or creating that, what you've created? What's in the last five years, what's been the biggest struggle for you? Family. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's something that, that I, I, I think I prioritize over everything. I want a lot of really, really good businessmen or really terrible family people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if that's someone that's listening, it is what it is, right? Look at some of the most successful men, men in the world and women. Usually a lot of them have multiple wives, you know, kids that they don't speak to. And and it is what it is, right? You know, I'm not going to judge anyone on that, but I didn't want that. And I wanted that to be a thing. And so I've created this system and, that like allows me to work at home. I have a full, I'm completely can be 100% homebound if I need to, right. For as long as I need to, I can travel whenever I need to. My mom, my wife loves seeing our nephew, right. Mm-hmm. He's on my phone and uh, he's my little buddy. So I want to be able to prioritize that over everything. And it's tough sometimes. Um, but, but it's definitely been the hardest business is you can always put more hours right. into business. Right. But um, it's hard to create more time for family. And so I do, I try to make sure that that's the main focus. I want to spend, you know, I eat dinner with my wife every night, no phones at the dinner table. You know, we watch our shows or whatever. Um, we spend times on the weekend, you know, I don't work on Sundays. Well, I do work on Sundays, but I try not to as hard as I can. I try and be, you know, off of all media and, and you know, by 10, mm-hmm. which is kind of late for those, but we don't go to bed till a little bit later. And you know, so I, I, that's been the hardest for sure. It's like maintaining a good life or at least that's been my number one focus was like, that's the number one priority. And I think it makes business a little bit harder. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I talked to some of my friends and, you know, and, and like, Oh, I did this, this, and this. And I'm like, you know, did you spend time with your girlfriend or wife? And I'm like, no, nah. I'm like, oh, well, right. you know, and that's like where, so that makes it tough for sure. Right. But it is, it is probably my number one priority. And probably the biggest struggle that I have is like maintaining a, a really good relationship there. And, mm-hmm. um, because it's what I, I prioritize the most, not because we right. don't have a good relationship, you have a great relationship, but it's what I always want to continue to grow. Yeah, like, that's, that's my awesome. number one focus. It, do you guys travel a lot or is it yes. more like doing things at home? Insane yeah. amounts of travel, but a lot of it's work driven and, or we go see family. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, so with that, we're able to travel together. Um, but I do travel alone a good bit, but when the, the fun, the really fun trips come, um, yeah. When I go across country or out of the country, she gets to come with me. And that's really cool. Yeah, that's I'm awesome. Super fortunate for that. And, and yeah, whenever she wants to come, she can. Most of the time she doesn't because it's, yeah. it's just CrossFit. She's not really into CrossFit. So, right. you know, it is what it is. But she can for every single one of my trips, she can come, which yeah. is a good opportunity to have. And when I, when, even when I do travel, I don't lose a lot of revenue. I'm still working mm-hmm. the entire time. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you track how much you traveled last year with like even just family? Probably out of town for somewhere north of three to four months, Mm -hmm. like gone, like actual, like over a hundred days. Yeah. That's awesome. How much time with your wife on those trips? Like probably a third to a half of it, something like that. Um, Cause a lot of those were Texas. Uh, You know, we see, like I said, we see our nephew and her sister. Um, we spent a lot of time there. Our niece was born and then we were there for Thanksgiving and Christmas. So that was like five weeks, right? Yeah. Like, just like that. Yeah. That's and, cool. so, um, <laughs> so it was yeah. So when you travel, are you like, you have like your 
couple hours in the morning or evening where you're working and the rest of the time it's yeah like usually chill. it's a, usually i train in the morning before everyone gets up i go to a gym there that's good friends of mine and and then um you know we hang out and do whatever and then i start work super super late yeah. so a lot very little sleep because i want to spend all the time with um my niece and nephew and the fam and so i'll, I'll stay up really late um, yeah. and you just get it done but i can you know and that's the best part about it you know are those hours really crazy yeah i mean mm-hmm. sometimes like we traveled during the open the crossfit open this year and that was the worst fucking thing ever. That was, I'll never travel during the open again. That was terrible to like find a gym in another city that was going to let me shoot till midnight of right. like content creation and video editing and things like that. And then get home. Cause it was like across Dallas and then I had to get home and then I had to program for all 30 of my athletes. So I was up till like six in the morning and then yeah. I just like slept for, you know, 12 hours and, and, um, and you know, but their family's really understanding, but there's no, you know, during, during that time, that's like, that's like our season because we do right. that's that's what we do content creation and pump out as much information as we can and help as much as we can yeah so, so next year is that from pensacola and travel 100 percent. we're not traveling during that but they're moving here family is moving to town which is we oh, are wow. so excited for and i'm really, um, awesome. really excited they're going to be here so that's going to be great so travel is going to cut down a good bit hopefully all just a little bit more play travel we don't do yeah. a lot of like purely like just me and my wife like uh mm-hmm. vacation travel um, which kind of stinks i want to try and do some more of that maybe next year this year i don't know what the summer's going to look like revenue right. might be down a little bit obviously and so we're going to kind of try and not plan anything till we know what the backside of covid looks like yeah is there one place that you haven't been that you want to go oh pff, everywhere i, I <laughs> want to travel so bad no i have some body so you know we kind of i would say the next is probably some uh i go to denver for work but i don't yeah. ever get to go to experience it but we'll probably get out there and um i think she wants to go to a steamboat so that's okay. probably that's probably where we'll go next. Yeah, that's cool. Guys. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful so maybe out next, there. Next, uh, next winter, we'll go out there and, and uh, do that. That's probably that's probably on the docket. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, um, we're about out of time. Uh, my last question for you is: If someone's listening <laughs> who was in your shoes five years ago, or um, is trying to get this thing off the ground, whether it's you know a clinic or you know doing like the kind of coaching stuff you're doing just in business, what? what's your number one piece of advice or what would you have needed to hear, you know, differently or, or that resonated with you five years ago that, that you think you'd pass on to somebody else? Well, you know, I think G has been a big influence and they, you know, whoever's talking, whoever's listening to this and has talked to him, whatever idea you have is a great idea. <laughs> and he, I mean, you know, and he helps you kind of guide it. So get a mentor and it's okay. It's okay to spend money on yourself to, to better yourself. That's fine. You don't need, a big overhead, right? So let's talk about business, right? So mm-hmm. get a mentor, spend money on yourself to grow your mindset, your business mindset. Don't worry about your professional skills. If we're talking PT specifically, I don't think that's a good place to spend money as far as like extra certifications and things, unless that's something you're really, really set on. That's what you want to do is like a long-term thing, not just a tool for your toolbox, right? Mm-hmm. If you're wanting to direct a whole practice model based on something, then that's different. Don't take out loans for business, you know, run it as a cash in hand business. You know, I don't think it's necessary. I think you can grow cash businesses into insurance accepting businesses very easily and be okay making college money for a little while longer. Right. And I think those are like the biggest ones, you know, it's okay to, it's, you know, it will change. And and one thing that I, I read early on, I read a lot of Tim Ferriss, right? Super motivator, right? Yeah. And um, 
I read the four hour work week, which I didn't think was that great of a book, but one thing that resonated with me really well in it, um, cause I don't think it applies to anything but sales, but that's, that's side note was that establishing what's the worst that could happen right. when you take the leap. And for us as physical therapists that want to do our own thing, the worst that happens is you go do what you were going to do if you weren't going to take the leap, which is still make whatever money that is. And that's a, mm-hmm. pre- that's a pretty good fail plan, mm-hmm. right? To go make whatever it is, 60, 70, 80 grand, whatever that is. That's, it could be worse, right? Now, if you take out a huge loan, now we're talking something different, right? You spend an excessive amount of money or, you know, you come out and you try and live a lavish life and you're only making, you know, you see 10 patients a week might not be okay then. Right. So, so don't bite off more than you can chew. I think that's really, really important, but it's okay to, to take the risk early. And that's the, that's probably the last piece of advice. That's why I tell everyone you'll never have less debt, less responsibilities than you do right this second. Right. Right. Right out of school. Even though you might be $200,000 in debt, it won't be less. You know, you won't have more bills it, or you won't have any less bills than the second you leave school. All right. And with that, it's the time to start. It's always mm-hmm. now, right? What is it? It's like the tree analogy. Best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago or today yep. or something <laughs> like that, right? So, right. So, and that's, that's really, really important. Um, and it's okay to, um, to be scared and to not know anything. You know, it's fine. You'll figure it out. So, so yeah, those are my awesome, man, dude. I really appreciate that. CJ, if someone wants to reach out to you, whether it's for remote coaching or just to check out what you're doing, uh, where do they find you on social media and website? Yeah. Movement doctor, everything, the movement Instagram.com slash the underscore movement underscore doctor, Facebook, the movement doctor. I think I have a Twitter. I don't know if I use it though. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And all of our stuff, if you're looking for one-on-one coaching or programming or you're you know, CrossFit athlete, rehab, looking for something remote, someone that kind of understands what you're going through. I uh, hope look at our one-on-one coaching experience. Um, so, so that's where you'll find all of the one-on-one stuff or you can reach out to me and then we'll point you in the right direction and get you set up with a call. But, but yeah, that's kind of, uh, it's pretty much it. Dude, man. Thank you socials. so much. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate your stuff. time. It's, uh, it's been great getting to know you and dude, I'm stoked for everything that you're doing. So keep crushing. Yep, absolutely. Well, this is the Cash PG Lunch Hour with Aaron LeBauer and CJ DePalma. There's no better time than start than now, so just go take the leap. See you guys on the next episode. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice or you already have one and you want to learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint. Because I want to get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I want to give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T-B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K.com. And we get your copy, give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.